You are listening to Australia Candidate Home and Abroad. And I have the pleasure to introduce someone to you who is a native of County Limerick, immigrated to Canada about nine years ago, and has established a business, and we're going to hear all about that. And uh, in doing so, continues with what is a tremendous tradition among the Irish and that is having an influence on Canadian life and the aspect of how Canadians um, are enriched and we are enriched as a result of uh, immigration and Maria Robertson is here with me. Maria is from Limerick City. Maria, thanks a million for coming along for a, a chat. Delighted to have you here and wonderful to get to know you. And you too. I'm absolutely delighted to sit and have a chat. It's a beautiful, beautiful morning and uh, what nice way to spend it than speaking to another Irish fella. An Irish, another Irish fella. There you go. So Limerick City. Well, Limerick County, okay. sort of halfway between Cork and Limerick, so Kamalik is All right, home. okay, so Kamalik, right. Um, big, big <coughs> GA town. Yeah. Yeah, um, but that's, uh, that was more when I was in my teens, shall we say. Right. <laughs> well, well, we'll come back, hopefully, if I remember to come back and talk a little about GA, because there's tremendous, there's a number of GA clubs here in the greater Toronto area. That's right. And um, we had them up in Ottawa there a few weeks ago for the Heritage Cup, yes. the hurling. Yes. And they went, it went quite well, I got to talk to a few of them. So, um, uh, you, uh, out of Kilmallock, your career path brought you to nursing, was it? Yeah, so uh, nursing was very difficult to, to get into. I had done a pre-nursing course in Limerick City and, you know, despite doing that, it still wasn't enough to, to get into nursing. Nursing was very sought after and it wasn't really about points. It was more about who you knew or if you had a, a dad, a doctor or an aunt who was a matron or whatever. So getting into one of the Irish hospitals was was told to us through the, the, the pre-nursing course that life would be be pretty difficult to get into one of the Irish hospitals so a lot of us applied to English and Scottish um, hospitals right. and I applied to what was Fife College of Health Studies which is in Kirkcaldy and my husband to this day still laughs at the fact that I was drawn in by the fact that I was told it was a very popular beach town with water sports and all that sort of thing and having never been to Scotland prior to going to school there um, this was a bit of a joke afterwards because the the beach is not exactly the most uh, let's just say there was some trolleys shopping trolleys stuck in the sand it's not Valibonia no 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 <laughs> and so I applied for there by the time I got there a year later it had changed over to becoming the Fife campus of the University of Dundee um, which was nice because you know we were then part of the, the, the university and uh, I spent three very uh, happy years settling into life in Scotland and adjusting to some of the language that I hadn't known previously like baffies and whatnot and you know you learn you know there's a tremendous affinity historical affinity between the Irish and the Scottish oh yeah in so many different levels and there's also an element of animosity between the Irish and the Scottish <laughs> in so many levels was it much of a settling in process or did like was there a culture shock there was a bit yeah yeah I mean, I was, I guess I was very green in that I had never really been anywhere 
until I, my first plane ride to go do my interview in Scotland with my mom and that sort of thing and getting there and settling in yeah I was I was pretty homesick the first year I was I was pretty homesick and I was very lucky I had a lady from Limerick and I had a lady from Mallow in um, the same halls of residence as me so I you know I always had someone to, to chat to and right. that was huge and when I look back on it I realised that you know if I hadn't had those two ladies I probably would have struggled a lot lot more but uh, yeah it, it was it was a pretty big culture shock did you feel that there was acceptance that by that I mean like that because you were an Irish person um, it didn't in any way inhibit you or people didn't put a barrier between you and them as a result no no right. um, everyone was great like there was no no animosity no discrimination you know like we all spoke the same language and there was people from all over um in, in the halls of residence, we had uh, international students from Nigeria and we'd had people from the UK who, for whatever reason, had chose to come up from England to go to college in Scotland. And no, it was great. I mean, I look back on it very fondly. <laughs> and how many years in Scotland then before you graduated? Or after? So three years there. Yeah. Um, and then I was so desperate, or so I thought, to get back to Ireland. And so, as soon as that was all said and done, came back to Ireland and realised then that I was homesick for Scotland. <laughs> when, now, in the three years that you were gone, yeah, like when did you go to Scotland first? I went 96 to 99. So that was still Celtic. It Thai, was, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. And as a result, I suppose... Um, was that a period when a lot of what would have been your um, co contemporaries were emigrating or were, was it a case that there was such a, a plethora of jobs that people were staying? I don't think too many people immigrated. I think at the time a few of my sort of leaving cert classmates had gone off to to London and whatever to do specific courses. So some had gone to do physio and pharmacy and um, so a couple had gone to Robert Gordon in Aberdeen and some had gone to, to the UK. But it was more for school as opposed to trying to just get the hell out of town. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it wasn't that there was a lack of opportunity at that no, particular time? No, yeah, no, And yeah. there was very high demand for college courses, so the points were, were going up and up and up, and so right. there was a lot of competition, and people knew that, and so they would secure a position elsewhere for themselves. Right, so when you come back to Ireland feeling homesick, and then getting, you're in <laughs> Ireland and you're feeling homesick. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where do we go from there? So we stayed for a year and uh, it was great um, you know it was it was lovely being back home and sort of settling in and, and everything but all of the things that you think that you missed or that made you homesick like you'd had enough of the family at that stage and yeah. you know you'd been back to the pub and you then realised that what you experienced at Christmases and the summer holidays because everyone was back at the same time doesn't happen 365 days of the year you know so it's not like every Friday when you went out you saw everyone you yeah. didn't because yeah. you know they had their own lives going on um, and then after a year uh, my husband got offered a job back in Scotland and uh, 
and we went back and uh, we then didn't move back to Ireland until we built our house. So when you came back to Ireland in that three year period did you find things had changed? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of um, keeping up with the Joneses because right. the Celtic Tiger had really taken off. Taken at that stage, yeah. yeah, yeah. And your husband, how did he adapt? Because your husband is Scottish. He is. He is. I've always called him a plastic paddy. He's he's a wannabe Irish person, if there ever was one. Yeah. Uh, big Celtic fan um, and loved being in Ireland from the very first time he came with me to Ireland for one of my cousin's weddings. He just fell in love with everything and I think a lot of it he just loved the the banter mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the fact that you would go into the pub and he would go off to one side of the pub and I'd go off to the other side of the pub and you wouldn't see him until it was time to go and get the chips from the chipper to mm-hmm. go home mm-hmm. he just loved it right. yeah mm-hmm. and and they loved him and you know they obviously had a had a lot of you know things in common football being one of them and so then when you went back to Scotland was he homesick for Ireland he was yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, like every time we would go home, or, and I, I've spent quite a lot of time uh, working in Belfast over the last uh, couple of years, every time I would be coming back, you'd say to me, bring me back, and very specifically, Denny sausages and Planakilty black pudding. Right. Yeah. And I said to him, I get arrested. And he went, no, no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. As long as I got to bring in the sausages and the puddings, he didn't care if I got arrested. <laughs> as long as he got the, the, the food arrived, yeah. you, you could spend a night in the tank. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Lovely fella. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Obviously. Um, so how long then back in Scotland before you, you decided it was time to move on over here? Um, so... We'd, we'd been visiting Scott, we'd been visiting Canada. Um, Neil and I, I think, had been going out for about a year when his cousin got married here, and they invited me to come, and I was tickled pink that I'd been invited because I felt like, okay, well, they might, they mustn't think too badly of me if they're bringing me all the way over here, and so it was lovely because I got to meet the Australians because Neil has two brothers. Uh, Neil's dad has two brothers so his dad lives in Scotland and then one brother lives in Mississauga and the other lives in Melbourne in Australia and so they all came here to Mississauga for the wedding and uh, we just had the most amazing couple of weeks here and we just fell in love with you know everybody has or so it seemed you know everyone sat on the deck and they drank beers and it was just very relaxed and a lot of fun and from then on for about I guess 10 years we kept saying we should live here we should live here we should live here and then of course you know you're not getting any younger and so we finally sort of said well if we're going to do this we need to do this because mm-hmm. you know we're not getting any younger and um, went to a uh, immigration expo at Edinburgh airport and spoke to one of the advisors and he gave us wonderful advice um, Neil was on the list of um, federal skill workers that were required. Canada had a shortage of under IT management. And we explained to him that Neil's uncle was living here in Canada and was Canadian now. And he said to us, apply, mm-hmm. because you can always pull your application. Mm-hmm. He says, but if you don't apply, you know, Canada is now sort of starting to go through a little bit of the same recession everyone else is going through. So they could pull IT immigration or IT management off the list. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't want to be morbid, but your uncle could get hit by a bus. Mm-hmm. And he said, and then your point system is not going to add up. Mm-hmm. 
So we said, oh Jesus, he's right, put in the application. Um, my husband was very, very diligent on making sure everything was in a folder and it was labelled and I've never seen him so organised in my whole life. It was completely OCD. I wish he's still like that nowadays, but anyway. Um, we got the visas in less than a year and then we thought, oh Jesus, now we have to go. Um, so it, it, because we were both running our own business in, in Scotland, we, we it did take us the best part of two years before we were ready to go. Right. Um, but obviously we, we also needed that time to save up the buffer that we knew we were going to need and my God, did we need it. So... It, yeah, it was probably about the, the two-year mark when we came. So when you were saying you were both running your own business in Scotland, you had already established a business at that stage? Then? Yeah, yeah. So out of nursing school, I had always been self-employed. Right. So when you say always been, so when you came out of nursing school at the beginning then, what were you doing as self-employed? So I, I always say that I fell in the back door in that I had uh, decided... You know, probably through the second half of my last 18 months in nursing school that working in geriatrics was not for me. And not because I didn't care about old people, but I think that I cared a little bit too much. And so when I would go into work, um, someone I had been looking after wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And I just found that really, really hard to take. Mm -hmm. And so after a while, I realized that maybe it was that I was meant to to stick with the little people mm. and I got offered an opportunity in Sutton to care for newborn twins okay. overnight and so I didn't really go looking for it it fell into my lap and I said after look we'll give it a, we'll give it a last and it's only for a week and how bad can it be well one week turned into eight weeks one set in twins they were all twin boys one set of twin boys turned into three sets of twin boys in the first year and that was it mm. I was hooked mm. and that that is 21 years ago <laughs> so now it's time to, to talk about the, the establishment of which is the new Amami company but before that I think what we will do is we'll share a little bit of Emma Langford oh lovely um, and Emma of course is a good Limerick girl she is and doing very well for herself at the moment uh, she has been as far as I recall she got an award at one of the, the uh, 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 folk awards one of them recently I know she was featured but, uh, we've had the opportunity to chat with Emma on the show uh, a number of times and uh, a good friend of ours is a good friend of her parents but this is Emma Langford uh, from Limerick and you are listening to Irish Radio Candace Home Abroad you're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad, and we're continuing our conversation with Maria Robertson. Maria, you were saying there that you had established a business and you've fallen into it. Or in the case of twins, they landed in your lap, I suppose yes. you'd be fair to Yeah, they did. They really, really did. So you were at a point where you had a business operating, and you've got your uh, immigration or emigration paperwork to allow you to leave Scotland and come to Canada. Uh-huh. Um, and your husband was self-employed so not only are you it's not a question that you're walking into employment that you're also cutting off uh, you uh, I have to say a bit like myself when I immigrated 
my resume said Austin's a wonderful worker signed by Austin because he had been self-employed <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's pretty much what it was so we had set up um, Facebook because Instagram and whatnot was you know not exactly around then yeah. so we had a, a Facebook page and the website so that was done before I came to Canada and um, and that is still that was then you mummy company so yes so the existing what you brought to Canada you continued on and built it from so the I foundation had, you had I there. had set it up um, as a I had sort of chosen the name as the the business that it would be in Canada and I I stuck with the U in mummy as opposed to O that they spell mom with here right um, and that was partly because I wanted people to see that there was a difference okay um, so we'll clarify here it is the new M-U-M-M-Y company yes right yes and so you know very often to this day I'll get people in the bank asking me you know what exactly my work is because they sort of think about mummies as in people that are wrapped yeah. in white cloth and That's I the say from the Irish mammy exactly exactly <laughs> so I, I wanted something that would be just that little bit different yeah. um, and it has it has worked I have to say um, but I set it up so that I would have the website and the Facebook to come here so as we had about two years before we came I had plenty of time to, to get it all up and running and it was and then when I came here um, I was very fortunate in that they sort of viewed me as Mary Poppins yeah. and they couldn't get enough for me now I did have 12 years of experience mm-hmm. I had done nothing but newborn postpartum care in that 12 years I had worked for some very rich and famous wealthy people I had also worked in you know most places that is the westernized world but I had also been in places like Dubai and uh, Egypt and you know I had the opportunity to to do a lot of traveling because you know unfortunately a lot of what I did was only affordable by people who had had money to spend Mm -hmm. but um, it had given me um, a really broad overview of so many different nationalities and cultures so that when you come to Canada and Canada and particularly in Toronto such a melting pot that I was familiar with a lot of cultures and I was familiar with a lot of um, just, you know, slightly different ways of, of doing things, which held me in, in very good stead. And um, having travelled a lot, travelling here then was no no big deal. So what year are we talking? In 2000 and... We came here in 2012, right. if my math is correct. Okay. <laughs> so one of the... Um, differences, or it wants the differences, but it's like in a lot of businesses, um, the regulatory environment is different from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Yes. So from Ireland, Scotland to Canada, you're dealing with a whole different sense of regulations, and also even between provinces in Canada. Yes. So you would have had to get yourself educated. Yeah, so a a lot of learning and a lot of figuring things out. Um, I was very surprised, even just as a sole proprietor, as I started off with, that actually to become self-employed as a sole proprietor, you don't really have to do anything Mm -hmm. in Canada. Uh, If you want to get a business uh, license, 
then off you go. But you can do it as a sole proprietor. You don't have to be incorporated. Um, but that in terms of the CRA and, and registering yourself, you actually, you don't have to tell them. Whereas in the UK, HMRC will make you mandatorily um, register as self-employed within three months. Okay. So just things like that, I, I sort of kept checking to say, are you sure I don't have to do anything more? Because it just felt a little, a little wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously then, you know, as things start to grow and improve and whatever, we changed over to a corporation. And so there are more technicalities and, and whatnot on that, on a, just on a, on a business on level. Of side of it, yeah. um, but as regards our industry, the industry is still unregulated. Okay, you've just said something that surprises me because when you say your industry, what we are talking about again is you dealing with basically yep. from newborn children yep. up until, and what would be your age? Like, um, so we probably deal primarily with the sort of zero to four months, zero to five months, so okay. newborn to five months. But now that we've expanded our services, we're dealing with anything into um, potty, potty training, so the sort of two, three, four age mark. And now we've expanded, um, we've actually started another company which is called the Nanny Department, and that is actual traditional nanny. So we really could be caring for children up until their teens now. Okay. Before we go any further, let's give give me the uh, fifteen second elevator pitch, but you can take a minute or two <laughs> of the mummy company, what you guys are and what you do. So then, when we talk, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, so we, we're, I guess, we're a pregnancy birth and postpartum support services company where we have uh, a number of services for people when they're pregnant so things like prenatal yoga prenatal fitness prenatal education classes prenatal breastfeeding and we also do a drop-in group once every three weeks so that people can start to you know build some of their network and start to meet other other pregnant moms and and, um, people who've just recently had babies because obviously they've got lots of questions and, and particularly during COVID, people had a lot of questions. Then for birth, we do birth doulas. And so that is someone who would support you and your partner or just you throughout the birth and labor of your baby. And then the majority of what we do is postpartum. So night nannies being our biggest service by far because what new parent isn't exhausted and doesn't want some support or help overnight uh, but we also do daytime support if that's more convenient for the family um, so that would sort of fall under newborn nannies or postpartum doulas as people might also know it as and then we do everything bar the kitchen sink really so we have lactation consulting we have nutrition we have sleep training we have potty training we have occupational therapy. We sort of run the full gamut mm-hmm. of mm. of of, um, of services, and a lot of those are in your own home. Some of them are virtual, and then we have a lot of postnatal fitness classes as well. And so we've done them on Zoom, and we are now back in person in Oakville, which is lovely because it's been a long time that we didn't have people coming into us. So. Yeah, we sort of have the the full stretch of, I don't like the term one-stop shop, but mm. in essence that's what we are. And then we have a little online store where we have sort of the, 
the the essentials around breastfeeding and breast pumping and uh, we have a delivery service then for breast pump rentals so we rent the hospital grade breast pumps mm. and we deliver them right across the GTA so same day delivery because when you need a breast pump you really need it urgently the um, shelf life yes. of one of your clients yes. is probably about six to nine months at most. It can be, it can be, but we've also had a lot of people who've come to us, say, very early in their pregnancy, yeah. and they'll work with us on a nutritional level. Right. Then they'll do prenatal yoga, then they'll do prenatal education, prenatal breastfeeding, um, and then you know not a huge percentage of what we do is birth doulas but that service is there and then postpartum wise yes they may only utilize the the night nanny service or the lactation consultant for a little bit but they might utilize us again down the road for sleep training or they might start coming to the fitness classes or the drop-in classes so sometimes it can be a bit longer and of course you know we've then had some of the night nanny clients who you know, have had somebody overnight with them for nearly a year. Right. I'm thinking in terms of that, you know, um, new clients and yes. building a business. So when you start out, uh, and when you did start out, how do you get the word out, or how do you get the word out here in, in Canada? And, and um, so I guess when I came to Canada first, and I was looking around at sort of what the what the culture was like in the industry and sort of what, what the industry was in itself and there were, to me it was very confusing because the word that kept coming up was sleep doula and I was sort of scratching my head saying I'm in the industry and I've been in the industry now for 12 years if I don't know what a sleep doula is then how the hell does a parent who is just having their first baby going to know because to me having trained as a postpartum doula a doula is someone who supports somebody after they've had their baby. But also as a sleep consultant, because I'd also become a sleep consultant by this point, they were two very different professions. And it, it just was something that just didn't sit right with me. So I didn't like the term A because I, it, it didn't say what it did on the tin. And I didn't want people being confused. So at that point in time, I thought, okay, you know, there's, there's a lot of terms that get banded around. But if people don't understand what it means, then they're going to struggle with it. And so am I from a marketing perspective. So I started, started to use the term night nanny. And I think now in Canada, that is sort of the industry standard in mm. night nanny. Um, we are seeing the newborn care specialist title influence a lot of marketing now that's coming in from the states because there are more specific courses for people to train and so you'll either train as a newborn care specialist or you'll train as a postpartum doula and it's really just the ethos is a little bit different the postpartum doula is more caring for the mum, and the newborn care specialist is more caring for the baby so I started to use the term night nanny and because that sort of says what it is it sort of really helped and of course then I think there's there's really been two things that have that have really stood stood by me um, one is my passion and absolute dedication to what we do and the second is I give a shit mm -hmm. so when we're dealing with clients and we are you know, finding them the service that they need and supporting them and making it happen. 
we make sure that they have a good experience mm-hmm. from start to finish no matter whether they have one service with us or ten services with us we want them to have everything be a really good experience and we really value their feedback and so any feedback that comes back if there is any constructive feedback in there we want to take it and we want to see what can we change what can we make better and just being available to talk to people and explain the service and whatever and then because I'm very OCD about who I hire to now be the night nanny so I'm not the night nanny is as much anymore mm-hmm. um, the people that I hire I have a lot of OCD about them because I say to them I have to take a very calculated risk on hiring you and putting you into someone's home because you might be a pediatric nurse with 20 years of experience but you've never been in someone's home before or you might have trained as a doula very recently having been a nanny for 10 years but you don't have the same level of newborn experience so you know different people coming through we've got to we've got to make sure that we are you know taking care of them but that when they go in and they do the job with your name attached to it that they're doing a good job and throughout the years so much of it has been word of mouth and referrals let's come back to where you talk about it being unregulated because this is one of the areas that strikes me as somewhat strange yep Um, if you're unregulated yep and yet you know I understand if somebody is involved in even um church at this stage yes and they're dealing with children yeah they have to have a police report yeah whatever yeah uh, so if you are hiring somebody who is going to be going into somebody's home mm-hmm. are you under an obligation to go down the same road or are you telling me it's unregulated it's unregulated but I do I know I know but, you, but you're yeah. telling me yeah. there's, there's no requirement no no so if you decided to train as a doula tomorrow and set up Austin's doula services Mm. and you said okay I'm here I'm ready to go Um, if a parent is none the wiser Mm -hmm. and you don't have what we call a VSS a vulnerable sector screening check um, a parent may not ask you for it a parent Mm. may not know that they should ask you for it Mm. so my OCD plays into a lot of all of this no, and, and uh, fantastic the other thing is you, you're talking in terms of the word you use the word profession yeah and yet you're unregulated so consequently there's no yeah. professional body there no. To, no. to either set guidelines or give in the event of there being any kind of an issue that there's a recourse mm-hmm. right. yeah the recourse is with me because I have to make sure that the client is happy with no, what they want yeah. but does that bother you it does it does yeah and I sort of wish that there was some sort of a regulatory body but from the very minute I set up the business I have it so that if at some point you know somebody kind of goes okay well let's put something together that I feel like we would meet 90 95% of the criteria because it's already in place right so then the next question after I think these are business questions on, on one level and that is if you're in an unregulated sector mm-hmm. with no um, either uh, checks or balances yeah uh, do you have a challenge getting insurance funnily enough no no um, and I'm not I'm not fully sure how insurance works here compared to the UK um, but for whatever reason no there right. isn't there right. isn't okay. um, I think it's I think it's mainly because 
the insurance companies don't necessarily understand what the role is <laughs> um, or, or or what is or what it entails I, I really don't know yes um, but no we've right. not had now so let's talk about the new mummy company and I and you've got established here you're in based in the greater Toronto area but you now have um, uh, I don't know what the correct term might be, but I won't say branches. But you have, you are, you are, you're spread across the country. We are, we are, we are. So we started here, and for the first 18 months, I was the night nanny. And in the course of that 18 months, I was turning away so many clients that that was my go big or go home moment, where I thought I could do nights for the rest of my life. My earning capacity would never go up, and I would work five nights a week which I loved but I could see that there was more there was opportunities and there was you know a a chance to sort of take a stab at it and and see what would happen and so what we did was I planned to extract myself at the end of all of my current bookings so from arriving in May up until the following Christmas I would pull back at Christmas and then my time would be spent pretty much full-time hiring people to come into the business Mm -hmm. so we focused on Toronto as the first uh, city and sort of the wider GTA because we have people who live in Niagara we have people who live in Barrie and we have people who live in sort of Oshawa and Pickering and Bowmanville area so it sort of is a very large area but then again we have clients coming to us from all of those places and everywhere in between so that was probably about the next year and a bit and then little by little calls would come in from Calgary or Ottawa or Edmonton or wherever saying you know it doesn't say on your website that you service this area but do you know somebody or do you happen to service it Mm. or whatever and so that that demand just kept coming like there was no it didn't stop and so we decided then that we would go with uh, Calgary Vancouver and Ottawa all in the one year which looking back on it was a bit bonkers because I was trying to be in four places at once and trying to get them all off the ground and we actually started Calgary with a waiting list and even though Calgary has been through some real ups and downs financially over the past couple of years we've never noticed it Mm -hmm. we've constantly Mm -hmm. had that demand Um, Vancouver is also very busy for us Ottawa not quite as busy it's it's steady now but it's never had that surge and I don't know if it's because um, as one person put it to me knowing Ottawa a little bit better than I do um, is that because there's so many people who are sent to Ottawa they're used to having things paid for them they're not used to paying for it out of pocket I don't know how true that is but that's that's how it was put to me so all I know is that now it's it's pretty steady and then about a year ago um, we added Edmonton into the mix so now we have five cities right yeah and when you say you, you added the main or you established the other locations how then are you able to function like you are able to operate the business effectively in a virtual capacity yeah, yeah. and yeah. then you bring people on board in these locations yeah so prior to covid i would fly to each of the cities on a very regular basis 
when we would have resumes come in, we would do a lot of phone screening and we would, you know, have, be pretty sure that it was worth the trip, the flight, the hotels, whatever. Um, and then I would go out and I'd meet them all in person. Obviously, COVID came along and scuppered all of that. So we did like the rest of the world did and we re- reverted to, to Zoom. And um, now I can do Zoom with anybody at a very short notice, which is great because obviously the hiring process is, is sped up greatly. And um, we run everything from our office here in Oakville. So if you're a mom calling us from Edmonton or you're a dad calling us from Vancouver, we have one toll-free number, so it all comes in here. And then there's the same people dealing with... So there's mm-hmm. continuity of care that way too. Um, so that way then... And we have a really good system where all of their information is stored. And so whoever phones up and whoever takes the call, if it's somebody who's coming back to us, you know, all of their information is there. So that's kind of nice. They don't have to mm-hmm. sort of explain mm-hmm. their whole situation and, and whatnot. So, yeah, we can do it all remotely, which is which is lovely. So has that opened opportunities for you in that sense? Has COVID presented you with opportunities that otherwise may not have been there? I would say yes. Um, we, we sort of had uh, the perfect storm almost in that over the last, you know, year and a half, whatever it is with COVID, we first of all nobody wanted anyone in their home which was perfectly understandable Mm -hmm. because we just didn't really know what we were dealing with at that stage but then once we figured out that we could protect ourselves so hand washing masks and all of that hoo-ha people started to realize that actually they did need the support the Mm -hmm. need for support didn't go away in fact it actually grew because now they were afraid to bring their parents or parents-in-law in because obviously we needed to shield Mm -hmm. that age group and so the demand for the service actually grew we lost quite a lot of our nurses and midwives in our team back to the clinics and the hospitals because they needed to go fight the good fight because Mm. they just needed all hands on deck and so obviously we very much respected that but it just meant that that's what was the perfect storm for us was the demand for our services was climbing and climbing rapidly but then we were seeing some of our staff dwindling so that Mm. was that was a bit tricky and then of course the COVID baby started to come after you know sort of the, the January of 2020 and the whole of you know, 2021 things started to, to go bananas, really. Like, we've, I've, I've always said, if I had been able to service every single client that came to us, um, you know, I'd have a boat in the Bahamas at this stage because it was, it was insane. And after 21 years in the industry, you sort of feel like you know the ebbs and flows mm-hmm. or sort mm-hmm. of the, the pluses and minuses of when babies are coming and, and not. And, all I can say is that this summer, the summer of 2021, literally the whole office team just felt like their heads were on stilts because it was just inquiry after inquiry after inquiry after inquiry after I think it was so thick and fast that we just couldn't cope with it. And it was, it was, it was, I, I mean, I take it personally because I'm like, we're not set up to deal with this. We should be. But you can't anticipate that mm-hmm. level of demand. But we just didn't have the manpower to be able to provide the help. And that's where I felt bad because I know that when someone comes to you and asks for help uh, as a new parent, they're not asking because they just think it would be nice. Like, they actually really need mm-hmm. that help. Mm-hmm. And that I took, I took quite personally. Have you been able to draw on or have you found it necessary to draw on some of 
your maybe your former colleagues or uh, over uh, virtual um, and get them involved abroad? Um, unfortunately, they were sort of in the same boat where they were busy. Um, but what I what I was able to do was utilize a lot of their support. Mm-hmm. That really was was kind of invaluable. Um, so the support element for me was was really really helpful because you just need somebody to sort of say you know you did everything you could you, you you're trying your best you are actively hiring you know all of these kind of things and so that that was really helpful. And then of course you know we've we've added in Zoom classes, Zoom services. You you know all of those kind of things to be able to you know provide services for people in as much a way as we can and um, we should maybe break for a little bit more music um, who are you suggesting um how about the cranberries indeed Dolores Ferrer yeah yes very much so yeah beautiful yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. she actually yeah. lived in Kamalak for, for a period of time and, so. she, and then she also lived in Ontario for a period she of time did, she indeed. did she did yeah she did indeed yeah indeed. you are listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad we'll be back with you after Dolores Ferrer cheers you are listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad and we're chatting with Maria Robertson Maria we've been talking about your um, schooling, your training, your immigration, and all the rest of it. Um, time to switch gear. <laughs> Leaving the professional out of it and all the rest of it. Uh, how has life been, and have you how, have you how have you integrated into down around here? Do you keep in touch with any of the Irish community? Or? Um, very recently, I've met um, a couple of Irish mums who have started to come to some of our classes because things are now in person, and so that has been lovely. Um, I think the biggest um, group that we have of, of friends that are expats tend to be Scottish and British. There's a tremendous amount of, of British and Scottish around Oakville, uh, so that would be the majority of our team. Um, my very first employee was British, my second employee was British, my third employee was British. Um, so for a while I was... Um, I was being told I was uh, being discriminatory towards <laughs> Canadians, so we we shortly hired a hired a Canadian. Um, and now our our team in the office is is about fifty fifty of half British and and, and half Canadian. Um, but uh, that's because I like to give opportunities to newcomers mm-hmm. specifically. Um, and of course, if you've come here as a as they call themselves a corporate wife and you look after your children for a bit and then you want to get back into the workforce well you know good luck because Canada deems Canadian experience essential and uh, if you don't have it then they're not willing to sort of take a second look at you so I like to sort of push back against that trend and so I've hired a lot of people who have either um, who, who have probably both scenarios where they've moved here to Canada no Canadian experience and have probably been out in the workforce for right. quite some time and they are some of the best people I've ever worked with right um, and then just adapting to Canadian life now it's very different in so far as like you know we have four seasons well yes. you down here but certainly in Ottawa we have we have <laughs> very noticeable seasons yes um, how have you adapted to Canadian life um 
I guess the first thing I did when I got here was I bought a, a, a Jeep Grand Cherokee yeah. so that I would you know feel like I was comfortable because in my first 18 months I did a lot of driving in and out of the city so always felt very safe driving in, in the snow and the ice and, and whatever in that um, I have two golden retrievers and they adore swimming in the summer and they adore rolling about in the snow in the winter so we try to get out and about as much as we can with them I mean we're very fortunate in that the lake is very close by us here mm-hmm. and of course when it snows you don't have to go anywhere you just have to open the front door um, so we try to spend a bit of time with that I will admit that I'm a complete workaholic um, so I don't uh, I've never really got into skiing or skating or, or anything like that I keep saying every winter this winter now is going to be the year that I'm going to do whatever but you know when then it, it gets cold but then it's <laughs> minus 15 and there's a wind chill of minus yeah, 25 and you just think oh you know we'll just turn on the fire yeah. or we'll snuggle up on the sofa and we'll watch a movie or whatever so do you go home much? I always went home very regularly so I was working as a nanny on Game of Thrones um uh, actually from season one and so that would obviously give me the ability to go home regularly so I would probably go home at least twice a year um, pre-COVID and um, I was just about to go home when COVID hit um, so it's ac- I'm going um, to Scotland this later on this week my parents are coming from Ireland to Scotland hopefully there won't be any more uh, lockdowns for them and we're going to surprise my uh, in-laws and show up because my father-in-law turns 80 this this week so I haven't been home in, in quite a while but normally I, I do go home very regularly but again like everybody else COVID had uh yeah, you dropped an interesting snippet there. You were nanny on Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, like, just to throw a nanny and explain, please. Um, so, again, uh, uh, working in newborn care, I was asked if I was available to take on, um, as we would call them, emergency positions, but emer- not emergency as in a 911 emergency, but just as in a last-minute booking. And... Um, I said yes I had availability I would be ready in about 48 hours uh, because I was just finishing up um, and another emergency um, booking with a set of twins and um, they said okay um, the client is a bit of a VIP so you know just just be aware I said fine who is she I was like don't don't really know the name it sort of rings a bell and so had a telephone interview later on that night none the wiser as to whether I had the job or not following day got a phone call that said the job was mine and as soon as I could um, leave the borders in Scotland go back home to Dunfermline get myself ready on a plane and then they would fly me to Belfast and so I found myself on the, the unknown set of Game of Thrones and um, I was only supposed to be there for a week uh, I spent two weeks there then I went home for the weekend and then they said please come back and so that was season one when you know things were a little bit different because it was a very unknown entity at that stage and the budget was very different and you know 
the actors could go around town with complete anonymity because nobody knew who they mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. It was a very different, uh, a very different um, sort of setup. And um, so what I was doing was I was working initially for one of the showrunners, um, David, and then his business partner, Dan. His wife was about to have a baby a couple of weeks later, so I ended up doing both of their their babies that were the the the, the newborn. So I did that, and um, here I am. 11 years later and I'll be spending Thanksgiving with them in London once I leave Scotland so I have continued to work with them um, and they're just the nicest people I have a confession I've never seen Game of Thrones (laughs) (laughs) I I know there's those that haven't yes a slight obsession with it uh, yeah yeah but uh, so what, what's the future hold for you? Great question. Um, I guess it's been a little bit hard to um, sort of make any great big plans because obviously we thought COVID was going to be here for a couple of weeks and, you know, here we are. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, so it's just kind of right now uh, we are making plans for, for more expansions. Like I said, we've just uh, launched the, the, the nanny department, the nanny agency. Um, so we're sort of keeping busy with with that at the minute. And uh, we would like to expand um, into other locations, but uh, it's a bit tricky when you don't really know what, what the travel restrictions are going mm-hmm. to be like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is, is the other variant going to take off the way Delta did and all of those things. So well, there's a lot, of, a lot of things in, yeah. in, 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 in the pots simmering. Yeah. Um, so we'll just have to see if, if we're allowed to, to travel and have our yeah. freedom as much as we have. Yeah. Um, but if you look down the road five years from now, how would you hope? Um, I would love to think that we either have expanded into the new areas that we want to, um, as in the new locations, or that we maybe decided to go down the franchise route, because Mm -hmm. right now everyone assumes that I've bought a franchise, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, no, 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 I've set it up from scratch, and the five cities that I have here in Canada, they're all mine. but obviously I do understand that there's a threshold as mm-hmm. to how many cities you can, you know, technically look after. Um, so there's there's a bit of a decision to be made there. I think in five years' time, I would probably like to be working less hours. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now it's kind of seven days a week where, you know, there's the weekends you're always watching the inbox to see like did someone have their baby and they need help you know with someone that they had booked already and it just needs to start earlier or someone needs a lactation consultant and then of course we have evening classes and we have weekend classes and whatever so yeah to be working a little bit less um, would be good and I mean really and truly just to have recovered from COVID because as much as demand went up there was obviously a lot of things that didn't go our way and were very tough financially and whatever so to have sort of been able to recover from that financially mm-hmm. and, and, and put a bit of a buffer into the bank again and those kind of things um, and just keep providing the services that people want us to provide and, and keep taking their feedback so that we can continue to offer new things like this week we start a new uh, fitness class uh, pelvic floor fitness class 
so that's for all women to mm. to come mm. along so that's a new class and that's something I'm excited about too so, so, so Maria, if anyone wants to find out where you are where can they find you so they can find us on social uh, we try to be as active as we can on social media so if you search at new mummy company you should find us that's um, a new M-U, yes, Mummy with a U. Um, on Facebook, we are the new Mummy Company, and we've tried to change it, but um, then I get into trouble with all sorts of SEO things and links, whatever, so, um, you know, that was my mistake, and I have to own up to it. <laughs> and, uh, of course, our, our website, www.newmummycompany.ca, and again, Mummy with a U. Maria Robertson, it's been fascinating. Thank you very much indeed for taking the time. Thank you, Austin. It's been lovely.